What is up, MMA Unshow? Coming at you with some bonus content. Uh, we had a sweet LFA card this weekend. <clears throat> um, I was initially drawn to it because of the fact that the fights were in Vail. Uh, I've watched a lot of LFA events. I've been to some. Um, really a great product. Uh, if you're a fight fan and you have Fight Pass now, or even if you don't, it's like nine bucks a month. It's pretty reasonable. Um, but you can watch all these, at least all the main cards, and then they usually put the prelims on Facebook. So LFA is a great product. Uh, they are not a sponsor of the show. Though if they wanted to, it's good. Um, I love the pink gloves, by the way. I think it was like a breast cancer awareness type of thing, but they looked cool. Uh, really just good production in general. The show runs really fast. Um, the kind of like video packages between are like far above, you know, a normal like regional promotion. Like the way they look and feel is <clears throat> pretty far superior to most regional promotions. And, and it makes sense that, you know, a lot of these guys are, they really are right there. You know, a lot of these guys are on the, the precipice of, of getting to the UFC. And there's a lot of guys on this card that I think are on the precipice. And fighters that we're going to see in the UFC in the relatively near future, um, or Bellator or whatever. Um, one weird thing about the card in general that I'd be interested to hear if anybody else that watched it notices the really close-up shots that <laughs> just go on forever. Uh, when they're putting the Vaseline on the fighters in particular, I feel like you're putting the fighters in kind of weird position. It's maybe... Uh, not do that. But other than that, LFA, uh, particularly LFA 116 and Vail, um, highest altitude, I believe, of any. I think they've done one there before, but uh, previously and still the highest altitude, I think, of any major mixed martial arts event, which is pretty cool. And again, that's what kind of brought me to uh, wanting to cover this particular fight as well as knowing some of the fighters. Um, Joe Ban on there, sick. Does a great job. Love Joe Ban. Big Joe Ban fan. So let's get into it. Uh, first fight on the main card. Looks so like we had a one, two, three, four, five, six fight main card. Now seven fight main card. Seven fight main card. Uh, so we'll try to get through these relatively quickly. Uh, try to make the whole podcast maybe only last maybe 15, 20 from here. I don't know how many I've done so far. Three minutes. Try to keep this under 20. That'd be cool. Um, okay, Reyes minus 220, Acevedo plus 180. It's a flyweight bout, Gracie Baja versus Factory X. Um, Acevedo, it, it, and I couldn't tell if he was dropped immediately, but he he definitely stumbled to the ground almost immediately in this fight, which is not uh, great when you're plus 180 underdog. Um, Acevedo looked for a good team, but there was just really nothing there. Um, ends up getting the back in the scramble. This fight was really fun while it lasted. Um and, and, and as were all of these fights, frankly, the sort of the theme of the night was like, these guys are really going for it. What you love to see out of fighters that are, again, knocking on the doorstep of the UFC, knocking on the doorstep of Bellator, uh, wherever they want to go, uh, these guys are right there. And uh, this first bout was no, uh, no exception. Really high-level scrambling, um, mostly from Reyes. Reyes did a lot of damage, especially after he kind of survived those, those first couple of scrambles. Um, did some big damage from back mount. Um, ends up getting mount and then finishing the fight uh, in mount via TKO. Wild scrambles. Really, really fun. Let me get the uh, card pulled up. Uh, LFA116. Get the card pulled up so I can get you these guys' first names. I just have their last names in the 
in my notes, and not all of them do I remember their first names. So Josiah Reyes <clears throat> climbed to three and zero. Laura Casavedo falls to one and one, but looked competitive. Uh, next fight, uh, Jacoby Jones coming in at minus four fifty. Logan Paxton coming in at plus three hundred. This fight was insane. <laughs> Uh, absolutely insane. <clears throat> um, apparently, I, first off, about to lightweight, 155 pounds. J- Jones is really, really highly touted. Um, sick wrestler. Um, Paxton was undefeated and like has traveled around and stuff, but not nearly the name that Jacoby Jones is, and I think the the odds probably reflected that. Um, another Factory X guy, tons of Factory X guys, uh, Mark Montoya and co., uh, based out of Denver on this card again there's just lots lots of violence coming from the factory x boys and you love to see it um tons of action in the first round both guys really tested each other's chins um i thought jones landed the harder shots and had more effective wrestling uh by the end though of the first round and especially going into the second round jones was definitely tired um not to say that he did not display a tremendous amount of heart and toughness so did paxton for that matter um but I thought we saw something out of Jacoby Jones in what was a more competitive fight than his previous fights. And I've seen some of his amateur fights as well. And so far, nobody's really been able to test the guy and bring this out of him, per se. I don't think. Maybe there's one in there that I missed. But as far as I'm aware, Logan Paxton's the first guy to to make the fight interesting. Uh, the fight did end up going to a decision, which was won unanimously by Jacoby Jones. Moves in to 3-0, and moves Paxton to 1-1. and um, For me... Uh, the second round was pretty close to a 10-8 for Paxton. Um, he didn't land really enough damage, probably, at least in the, the eyes of the judges, right? Because they didn't give him a 10-8 in the second round. But I, I, I didn't think a, a 10-8 in the second round would have been outrageous. Jones was in a, a pretty bad spot, uh, especially right at the end of the round. It was kind of just surviving. Um, so for me, I actually scored this fight a draw. Um, I was really impressed, impressed by both guys. I have no problem whatsoever with Jacoby Jones getting the W on this either. Um, but for me, the second round was pretty close to a 10-8. I think in the UFC, it might be a 10-8. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Either way, I came out of this fight super impressed with both guys. Uh, it didn't drop Jones' stock at all for me personally. Um, it actually raised his stock. And Logan Paxson showed that he's um, he's going to be around if he wants to make a career out of this. Again, he's just one-on-one, so you never know. Some of these guys are really, really talented and fight a couple times. And they're like, eh, not for me, which I, you know. But Paxton, Paxton's got the goods. He, he has some stuff to clean up for sure, um, but he, I'm sure he knows that. Um, but I think both of them learned a ton from that performance. And again, this is a fight that if this was on a prelims of a UFC card, it would have been fitting and it would have not looked out of place in any way, shape or form um, and probably would have won fight of the night. It was insane. Insane. Uh, so a lot of fun from Jacoby Jones and Logan Paxton. Uh, next up, Harris Talunzik versus Brock Smith. I kind of know both of these dudes, which is weird. Uh, Talunzik coming in at minus 500, Smith at plus 325. Um, Talunzik's a factory X fighter. I, I have known Harris forever. Um, insanely talented. The type of dude that anytime he's in the gym, he he probably knows and feels, and this may not be true now, it may not have been true um, at his time um, when he was in Canada um, training at TriStar, but... Uh, one of the guys that you know is just the, the one of the more talented guys in the room, no matter who's in the room. Um, and so far, so good, really. Uh, put together a pretty impressive run. Now climbing to 4-0. and 
um, after the submission over Brock Smith, who's now fallen to four and two. Um, and before that had won a plethora of, of amateur fights in a row. Um, so Tolenzik's one of those guys, again, you want to keep an eye on this guy. There's a reason he's minus 500. Comes from a great camp. Came from a great camp before. Um, keep an eye on this dude, for sure. Um, and I don't think Brock Smith has anything to hang his head about. Um, I tweeted something about this um, after the fights from the podcast account. That Brock Smith, I, I felt like he'd fought the, the perfect fight to be competitive for as long as he was competitive in the fight. Um, he was crafty. He was, he showed some, some veteran toughness and some savviness and, um, avoided a lot of the positions that Harris could cause him trouble for the first round and a half. And then the the second he makes a mistake, Harris takes it back and finishes him. It was, you just can't make a mistake against this dude. Um, not at this level. He's, he's going to make you pay and he's he's probably going to stop you in one one way or another uh he's he's just too good everywhere he's too well-rounded particularly on the ground he's um yeah he just built different (laughs) and he just keeps stopping dudes uh really impressive uh from harris talonzik and again would love to see brock smith again he's 33 he's getting up there in age you know you never know you never know how much he's got left but he could still put a run together again he's a dude that he has a lot of athletic gifts um just (laughs) just not as many as Delonzic. It was very similar kind of fighters get very kind of want to do the same thing. Uh, Harris, definitely a more comfortable striker between the two of them, but generally speaking, kind of want to do the same stuff in a fight. Harris just does everything better. And so that was kind of the story of the fight. Uh, Marnik Mann climbs to four and O after she submits via triangle choke, Pauline Macias. This, this finishing sequence was elite. Um, Marnik Mann came into the fight 3-0 and with three KOs, I believe. Let's see here. I think I've got a note about that. Yeah, 3-0 and with three KOs. Macias 4-1, and so highly touted uh, potential prospects. Mann was minus 150, Macias plus 110. Uh, Macias was ju- uh, judoka, and I heard like murmurings about Olympics. I couldn't quite sort it out. Um, I tried Googling it, too, and I, I, I don't know. She's very good at judo, and she showed it in the fight a couple times. A couple nice tosses. Um my stream went out, so I missed the first round. I don't know who won the first round. Uh, I think based on contextually how it was putting it together from what was being said by the broadcast, uh, man took the first round. Um, man, very loose, very relaxed on the feet. Messi um, is not really as smooth, but very athletic, very poppy, especially for, I think she's 33, 34. Um, you can see just a natural, natural athlete there. Um, through the second round, man was pretty content for the most part uh, of just kind of like landing clinch control against the cage when she could elbows, knees, but it was a lot of, a lot of control work. I think she realized early on <clears throat> that you kind of need to be all the way in or all the way out against Pauline Macias because her judo is for real. Um, but that said, this finishing sequence is wild. Uh, man sort of looked like she started to get tired. Macias started to press in the third round. Um, Macias ends up with this crazy throw, it's just massive throw, but man just does a tremendous job to end up, uh, on, in, in top position here and eventually kind of works her way where she's trying to get to the back and finds a triangle. Um, she's landing giant elbows, still a minute and a half left. You know, if, if, if you're pulling my Macias, there's just nowhere to go at the end of that fight. She was stuck. I think she knew she was stuck. She still had a minute and a half to survive. There's just only so much you can do. <clears throat> uh, ends up getting her out of there. Uh, with a submission via triangle choke. Uh, Michael Stack, Jackson Filio. 
Uh, let me get this pulled up. Stack was a massive favorite. Uh, minus 1,100 Filio plus 600, which turned out to be uh, not correct. Um, Michael Stack did get the win here. He, he climbed to 6-1. It definitely looked fine in the process. Uh, Jackson Filio fell to 4-3. Um, so right now, uh, Stack's only losses to Kaikamaku who's in the UFC, and it was a decision. Um Defense boxing, super crisp, really active on the feet, transitions between wrestling and striking and clinching and really kind of a modern day uh, MMA fighter, which I think was also kind of the story of this card. Just a ton of like, like the levels that are, that you're seeing at the the regional level. I don't even know if I really consider LFA a regional. They're like borderline national. They're somewhere between there. Um, But the levels that you're seeing, I guess you could call it the developmental national league. That's kind of what I would call LFA. Pretty much everybody on these cards is young, relatively speaking. Um, but man, the level is just so much higher and it just keeps going up and up and up. And, and this fight was definitely a, a sign of that. Um, feel your hurt stack pretty bad with body shots and a hook, uh, on the feet and then immediately clinched in the first round. Um, I thought he actually had a chance to maybe get him out of there with a giant upset. Um, and definitely one round one for me, 10, nine feel for round one. Um, stack came out in the second round, landed some big shots. Uh, and a takedown, but Filio just got back up immediately. I mean, this fight was just so competitive from beginning to end that these odds were just, <laughs> just outrageous. Um, again, kind of another one of those things where I came out thinking both guys were pretty good. Um, Stack's physicality was just too much. That one in the fight, that's probably what's going to get him to the UFC. Um, he's super solid, but again, this fight was way more competitive than the odds um, would have led us to believe it was going to be. Stack gets the decision. Uh, really no complaints there. In the co-main event, we have... And this was really the only uncompetitive fight. The, the main event wasn't particularly competitive either, I guess I would say. Um, it was competitive at moments for sure. Um, but this one was highly uncompetitive. Um, Daniel Argueta, who did miss weight but climbed to 6-0, and who we've seen in the Contender Series already. Definitely a guy that we know. Definitely a guy that we're going to see in the UFC, especially after this performance. I think his next fight will likely be in the UFC. Uh, defeating Rodney Mandala, uh, who falls to 6-4. and four. Um, Rodney just couldn't couldn't really figure out how to get going in this particular matchup. Um, let me check the odds on this. So another kind of it's it's just this one actually on paper uh, was actually not as extreme of odds. Uh, Argetto was only minus a thousand. Mandala was plus five fifty. Um, but this one played out like the odds would have suggested it would. Uh, Argetta just absolutely elite athletically uh, gets take down fairly early, lands heavy elbows. Uh, just a super mean dude. Uh, one of the techniques that I really enjoyed watching from him was he, he was doing a really good job of kind of like posting on the head on the ground and then coming through with elbows, much the way you see Thai fighters doing the feet, um, which is Muay Thai is, is crisp and, and really impressive as well. Um, but he didn't really need to use it too much. Um, Mandala really was doing a lot of the right things on the ground, hipping out, um, trying to get to the fence, trying to never be flat. Um, all of the things that you want to see, uh, but our is just a step ahead of him with everything. Um, it really had no way to get out. Uh, for, for me, fin finishing sequence was absolutely insane. Um, finishes it with an arm bar round one, uh, three thirty-two. for me, our, our is UFC ready. I know he lost to Trichios on the ultimate fighter. Um, but he, his next fight should be in the UFC. I really don't care that he missed weight. Uh, I don't believe he's missed weight previously. I don't really think it's that big of an issue. Um, it happens, you know, you don't love to see it, especially out of really talented guys like this. You don't, you don't love to see it, but, um, all in all, I'm ready to see Daniel Argetta in the UFC against somebody, um, 
on that level because he's he's ready. He's six and zero. Damn, we are flying. We're at sixteen minutes. I'm gonna easily get through this in twenty. Okay, main event: Josh Friend minus four fifty, uh, Hanato Valente plus three hundred. This was really really fun. Um, we had a black belt in BJJ uh, coming in at eight and four. Hanato Valente. Let's see what he had been up to in previous bouts. So he that was his. Cons- oh no, it was a grappling bout. So he, he's coming off a split decision win over. Uh, wow, I'm gonna really butcher this guy's name. Chibukem on yet. On Yenagacha, he was undefeated. So he's now uh, seven and one. Where's he based? Let's see if he beat anybody. Not really. Not really. Twenty-seven. He's huge. Oh, he's a middleweight. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So um, Valente in his career, not any really big names on his on his hit list, um, but definitely. And you can see this in his performance, like a, a solid professional. I mean, absolutely uh, a black belt, 29 years old, still got, you know, some prime ahead of him, much less th- a good amount of his career. Um, physically looked really good. I thought that it, he had a really hard time towards the end of the fight, figuring out how, like what Fremd was going to do. And that was the story of the fight for me is like Fremd just sort of snowballed on him. Uh, first round, super competitive. Again, and I, and I can't remember if I mentioned this, Fremd is a LFA's 2020 male fighter of the year, coming off a loss. Um, but prior to that was just absolutely steamrolling everyone. Um, and his loss is now looking pretty <laughs> pretty damn good as uh, Gregor Rodriguez, a.k.a. Robocop, is now, I believe, 3-0 in the UFC with three KOs, I think. Let me check here. Uh, okay, just 2-0. Uh, he didn't knock out Duzko, but he did beat the crap out of him. Um, and then he just knocked out Jun Young Park and what was an absolutely insane war. Um, we'll talk more about that. But anyways, back to the topic. Josh Fremd, um, a dude that you, you, he's going to be in the UFC eventually. He's 27 years old. Um, and you just can't take your eyes off him when he, when he fights, man. He, uh, he's huge. Six, six foot four, 76 and a half inch reach at 185 pounds. Um, seems to make weight fairly easily. Usually comes in actually underweight. Um, but still has the frame for, for the weight class, especially at, at six, four, he's going to be bigger than pretty much everybody in the weight class. And, and he holds a lot of his muscle. Well, um, and this fight showed a caginess and a toughness and an ability to, to kind of take some damage and just ride through it and push through it. Um, that in those instances, like the RoboCop fight where maybe he's getting touched a little bit and maybe his power isn't quite translating yet he's still able to be competitive. So for me, that's what I look for, especially in these young guys, um, which Fremd is definitely a young guy. I mean, he's, he's UFC ready. Don't get me wrong. He, his next, next fight could and probably should be in the UFC. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing him in, in the LFA for one more if they want to do it. Um, but what I want to see is guys get better at the things that they're struggling at from the previous fight. Um, Fremd dealt with some adversity in this fight. He pushed through it. Uh, and then the second and third round, he owned absolutely owned it um me reference back to my notes here <clears throat> so early on in the fight um friend was targeting the body a lot which i like to see too especially when you're you know he's fighting a smaller fighter who's gonna have trouble getting in and out anyway he's gonna have to use more explosive movements to land strikes let's go after that body early so the game plan was working early for for friend and montoya and company um out of factory x 
Valente kept looking for that check hook, kept looking for it, kept looking for it. And then finally, with about 15 seconds left in the round, I believe that is the shot that he hurt him with. Um, that said, only 15 seconds left in the round. There's not that much that you can do. Um, but it did make the first round more interesting and more difficult to score. For me, it's 10-9 friend. Um, could I see it? 10-9 for Valente, really just because of the big shot that he landed at the end and the fact that Frem's work was mostly in volume. Yeah, but for me, again, it's it's Fremd. I can't I can't give away a round off a lucky shot. I, I shouldn't say it was a lucky shot. It was a shot he was looking for. But you can't get one. I mean, and if you do, you better flatten him. And he didn't. He hurt him a little, but nothing to write home about. Uh, round two, that said, Fremd was bleeding pretty badly from the nose. Um, and at this point, Valente was also bleeding from the mouth. I don't know if Valente's jaw was broken, but his mouth was wide open in the second round. Maybe it's the body shots accumulating and making him tired. Um, but there's very, very ble- visible bleeding coming out of the mouth uh, of, Levent- of Valente. Excuse me. Uh, round two is all about the, jam- the jab, particularly this, the second half of the round for Fremd. Um, he really started to pick up. On, and again, I'm, I, more stuff that I like to see from younger fighters is he's picking up on what Valente is having success with, which was across a combination, particularly that kind of like fall away hook. It was really the one shot that he had in the first round and was finding to some success. By round two, Fremd already read it. He already knew it was coming uh, and it wasn't going to work. And it didn't really work for the rest of the fight. Like I said, round two on, especially the back half of round two is all Josh Fremd. 10-9 Fremd for round two. Um, round three, Fremd leading with the jab again. He did get taken down in the third round, but it was pretty minimal. And uh, he actually ends up getting a sweep. Or no, excuse me. I got the other way around. Fremd got a takedown. He got swept. Then they had kind of a scramble. Fremd ends up on top there. Um, and then really he just controlled the rest of the round from there. Beat him up. Um, showed some some ground superiority, which, you know, you're, you're up two rounds to zero. Maybe one to one, but you're owning the fight. And he's willing to go into the guard of a black belt and beat him up. I mean, that just shows another another level of confidence in his ground game and, and proved it to be um, more than worthy uh, for Josh Fremd to get the fight done against a black belt. So, again, I, I, I couldn't have come out of that fight any more impressed with Josh Fremd. You know what I mean? He, he could have walked out there and, and KO'd the guy and I'd be hyped about him or whatever. Like, Sure. Sure. But again, I I love to see young fighters making adjustments, figuring out stuff on the fly, um, showing maturity far beyond their years, um, showing toughness, showing durability, showing grittiness, determination, uh, ability to mix it up. Fremd is much more than a knockout artist. And uh, like I said, I I, I would like to see his next fight in the UFC. If they they want to do one more in the LFA, that's cool. Um, I, I think Fremd said he would be fine with that, but... You know, like like he said, they they're doing a card in Denver, um, and I think if he got a call from Dana, it, it's a guy that you wouldn't want to miss. That's for sure. I, I, there's a lot of interesting matchups out, out here for for Josh Fremd, and he's only going to get bigger and stronger. 27 years old, he's only going to get better. Um, so, high ceilings for Josh Fremd. Uh, high ceiling for Daniel Argueta. I think a pretty high ceiling for Stack. Really high ceiling for man. Really high ceiling for man. I think she'll be in the UFC fairly soon as well. Uh, really high ceiling for Tolunzik. Really high ceiling for Jones. I mean, this card was absolutely loaded for a reason. So, uh, yeah, if you didn't get to watch it, uh, you can always go back and check it out on Fight Pass. Um, trying to think if I forget anything. Uh, like, share, sub, 
you know the deal. Help us out. We're trying to grow this. We're trying to do more YouTube content. Our YouTube content gets no views. Let's just be honest. Someday it will, I think. We're, we will die trying. One of the two. Um, we do have a sponsor, though. Stageman Underwear. Uh, if, if you hit stagemanunderwear.com, use promo code UNSHOW. I honestly can't remember what you get because I didn't take a note for it, but I'll see it in the, the, the main podcast that we drop next week. But uh, just know it exists. We'll start there. The tease of all teases. Okay, cool. That's all I got. Uh, LFA 116 was terrific. Um, I'm going to be watching more LFA fights for sure. Sweet. Peace. Peace.